a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Good afternoon. Welcome to episode number 142 of this program, Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. I'm grateful to you for tuning in. And what a wonderful weekend it was. Did you enjoy yourself? Did you have a happy 4th of July? Were you able to remember a time where we were all kind of at peace with one another and able to gather together and have fun and laugh and not so much worry about uh, the protests in the streets or even uh, the, the coronavirus pandemic that's raging around the world? Now, uh, we can't forget about the coronavirus and the threat that it poses, but it certainly was a wonderful weekend to be able to uh, celebrate with family, forget about all the problems in this uh, world around us, and also celebrate this wonderful nation in which we live here, the United States of America. I started my weekend by, of course, watching the president's address in South Dakota there in front of Mount Rushmore. I watched some of the fireworks and the flyovers and listened, of course, to his address. And in fact, later on in the program, just before two o'clock, I want to share with you some of the comments made by the president that stood out to me as impactful and important. Think what you will about the president, but I'm going to invite you again just before two o'clock to uh, forget about all the peripheral noise and such and focus just on the words he shared in front of Mount Rushmore. I think uh, one of the stronger speeches we've heard from a president in some time, certainly uh, one of the strongest delivered by President Trump, it reminded us what we are about here in the United States of America and what is worthy of defending and why we ought to be defending some of the things which, we are, which are being uh, disrespected and desecrated right now here across our country. We'll get into that later on. <clears throat> I also want to talk to you about an experience I had uh, on Saturday. This is the 4th of July. Uh, my wife and I and Baby Piper, we were in Utah County, specifically in Vineyard, which I, each time I pass through Vineyard, am blown away by the growth there. I was a, a student at uh, Brigham Young University some time ago, and I spent a lot of time on the shore there of Utah Lake. There's a road where you can kind of find a picnic table. I used to study there quite often, and I wanted to take my wife and Baby Piper over to this picnic table just to, uh, to hang out, have a look at the water and see the sunset and then ultimately make our way over to the great fireworks, uh, which, <laughs> which we did. And I'll tell you that story too. But uh, as, as we were driving through Vineyard, we came to an intersection and I looked out the car window. Well, first I smelled something. I smelled smoke. And I thought, hmm, where you at? This is, uh, uh, we should probably not be smelling that right now. I thought it was the vehicle. So I'm checking uh, for check engine lights, and I'm looking at the hood and all that, and I realized, no, it's not the vehicle. It is here 
on the ground, uh, there is a fire burning. There's a fire burning. And this is the time of year where we do not want to see fires burning without anyone around. And that's exactly what I saw. And there was another gentleman who pulled up and uh, he saw the same thing. And he and I started speaking to one another, coming up with a game plan while my wife uh, called 911, ultimately dispatching uh, fire services. Long story short, the fire was ultimately put out and no, uh, no injury befell anyone, no structures were lost or anything like that. Uh, it was a very lucky, lucky event. And I want to tell you the full story later about how uh, a handful of us, <clears throat> excuse me, came together and were able to extinguish that fire before even emergency services showed up. Uh, so a little bit of patting myself on the back more than anything else. Uh, there were some other individuals that descended on that fire and took some really quick action uh, and spared uh, a number of the homes there in Vineyard. And certainly uh, we, we were nearby that movie theater and all of those restaurants and such there. If that fire had been left <laughs> to, to continue burning, uh, it could have caused some real damage. I'll go through those details with you later on. But I want to tell you it was Piper's first 4th of July. Baby Piper, eight months old in a few days, and she, on Saturday evening, from her baby seat, sitting behind her mom and me, uh, she was able to hear and see some of the fireworks as part of America's Freedom Festival in Provo. Fascinating display there. As you know and you've heard uh, advertised in the lead-up to the 4th of July here on this radio station, things are a little bit different this year because of the coronavirus. And in Provo and in Orem, they wanted to keep things as normal as possible. And so they devised a fireworks display which launched these fireworks into the sky far higher than they have reached in years past. Why? Well, because the plan this year, the plan which was executed Friday night, or I'm sorry, Saturday night, 4th of July, which I was able to enjoy, was to launch the fireworks so high into the sky and from multiple locations so that anyone in the valley would be able to look up on the evening of the 4th of July and see fireworks, which have come to uh, really, really epitomize uh, celebrating the 4th of July. It's an amazing thing. And so that's what uh, my wife and I did. Along with Baby Piper, we saw those fireworks. And also, if, if you uh, were tuned in along with me here to this radio station that evening, you know that there was a soundtrack. There was music that was presented in sync with the fireworks. It was a wonderful, beautiful thing. And I very much admired it and uh, was grateful that little Baby Piper's first experience watching fireworks was of the display put on in Utah County, specifically Provo, coming from Lavelle Edwards Stadium and from a park and from a school in Orm. It was a wonderful thing. Uh, and I, I very much miss the ability to gather up in a stadium and hear music together and see the cheering faces of all of uh, you know, those federal fellow Americans that gather together. Uh, but when forced to seek out an alternative, uh, I'm pretty pleased with the way things shook out here. Also, uh, real quickly, on a totally different note, I was able to go running with Baby Piper. I have now one of those uh, jogging strollers. She is old enough to be uh, safely strapped in there. But the temperatures are rising, right? And you and I had a conversation a short time ago about babies and what temperature is safe for them. Well, uh, I can't be jogging with little Baby Piper in the jogging stroller in the afternoon when I have free after the program. So I need, I need your help with this. 
if you have, and this is totally self-serving, this is totally for me, uh, but I thought, well, they gave me a radio program, so maybe I'll take advantage of that. I'm looking for an indoor track that's open and allows strollers anywhere along the Wasatch Front. I'll drive wherever I need to, to to track it down. I need an indoor track to go jogging that allows strollers. I want to bring Piper along. I want to push her along in this jogging stroller, but I need to be inside where it's not 95, 100 degrees beating down on us. So 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Send me a note. Give me some advice. Again, looking for an indoor track that allows strollers and is open right now. Uh, so I'd be very grateful if you could help me out. I'm going to take a break right now. When we come back, I'm going to continue a conversation which started this morning on the radio with Dave and Dejanovic. I spoke with uh, Debbie at length about uh, Spencer Cox and what is looking like uh, his receipt of the Republican nomination for governor to go up against the Democrat candidate in the general election. Now, the question we asked was, did the task force aid in Cox's seeming triumph? We have differing opinions. We're going to continue the conversation next. My guest, W. Janovic, on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Did you see fireworks on Saturday night? Where'd you go? Where'd you see them? Really fun. Well, let me ask you: Did you did you light any fireworks yourself? I, for whatever reason, in my family, it hasn't really been a tradition of ours to go out and uh, and get fireworks. We were typically the ones uh, driving down to the park and uh, watching them launched by the the city or whoever it was handling professionally the fireworks display. Never really got into uh, fireworks myself. Probably for this reason. When I was very young, very, very young, my, my first interaction with an elected official was the mayor of my very small town. I may have been maybe five or six years old, and the mayor uh, on his right hand uh, only had two fingers. He had uh, a thumb and he had an index finger. His middle finger, ring finger, and pinky uh, were, were all missing, and it was, uh, uh, it was uh, not the prettiest of sights to behold, certainly as a, a five- or six-year-old little boy. And I remember, you know, because you don't have any inhibitions when you're that age, I said, uh, I said, uh, Mr. Mayor, uh, m- m- uh, what, what's wrong with your hand? And he said, Lee, uh, when, when I was 16 years old, my friends and I were playing with, uh, with fireworks, and I held on to one a little too long, and it exploded in my hand, and it took with it uh, three of my fingers. And from that point forward, I became very fearful of fireworks. 
Isn't that how it is sometimes? You, you get a fear uh, that lodges itself in your mind as a, as a young person. It is very, very hard to shake. Now, I do understand and know that there are safe ways of handling fireworks today. And, and I haven't lived my entire life, you know, without setting off a few fireworks. But there's always in the back of my mind that lingering fear. Anyway, that's a tangent, really. What I want to talk to you now about is the, the fire threat posed by fireworks. From uh, at Utah Wildfire, some information uh, revealed just a few hours ago that over the weekend, over the July 4th weekend, there were 68 wildfire starts reported to interagency dispatch centers over the weekend. 18 of them were fireworks related. Interestingly, you take a step backward, that brings Utah's total to 644 wildfire starts this season, 520 of them having been human-caused. Fire makes me nervous. Fire scares me. It's an important part of life, certainly. It's a very powerful tool. It can also be a very powerful agent of destruction, and it must be respected. On Friday afternoon, my wife and I and baby Piper, we were driving. We were looking for ice cream, if I'm honest. <laughs> we were looking for ice cream, and I uh, Googled around and saw that there was a, a relatively new uh, ice cream spot in Vineyard, in Vineyard, Utah. You know that relatively new community there? Well, they, they have a, a megaplex theater, and near that megaplex is a, a big uh, sprawling area of restaurants. Now, when we got out there, we saw, oh, shoot, the, uh, the ice cream place is closed. And so I thought, well, what we were, we were killing time, really. We were waiting for the fireworks display to start that evening, and the sun hadn't yet gone down. So I was trying to find something for my family and I to do for those few hours. And I remembered, I remembered years ago when I was a student at Brigham Young University, I used to study at a picnic bench on the shore of Utah Lake. No, I, I know it. It was a little, little bit stinky, and yes, there were many bugs, but I, I endured. And I thought, well, it might be nice. I'll take my uh, little family on a drive over there. I can sit down at the bench for a few minutes. Maybe I can tell my wife and little baby Piper about some of the things I remember studying there as I uh, navigated my way through my university career. Well, as we were driving out to this point, we came to an intersection where immediately to the right, I saw that there was a fire burning. Let me describe it. So imagine there, and this is right near the movie theater. This is right near those, uh, those businesses, the, the different restaurants and the ice cream place I had tried to visit. As we were just alongside that area there, uh, there was a wildfire essentially burning its way through some of the dried grasses there. And there were no emergency responders there. In fact, there was no one else there at all uh, but me and my wife and baby Piper. And I saw that uh, it was burning out of control. Now, there was one bit of luck. There was one bit of luck that struck us. And it was that the fire was burning the grass that was located between the road and the sidewalk. 
And so the road was providing one of these, uh, you know, fire lines of sorts, or at least there was no fuel for the fire to continue burning on the street. And then on the other side, there was a relatively narrow strip of concrete, a sidewalk, which was preventing the fire from jumping over into the field. But it was the, the, the flames were rising. It was getting close, and it was certainly moving down lengthwise, making its way down the sidewalk. There was another gentleman there uh, who pulled up not long after we arrived, and we rolled our windows down, and we talked back and forth and, uh, and thought, well, what do, we, what do we do here? What's our obligation? My wife picked up her phone. She immediately dialed 911. She gave the intersection where this fire was burning, but... You know, there's a delay between when you call and when they show up. They are rapid responders, absolutely sure, but fire moves maybe a little more rapidly than those uh, firefighters were able to respond. And so me and this gentleman and other individuals who started uh, arriving on the scene there, not not first responders, just passers-by, uh, we all kind of looked at each other and realized that, you know, we kind of have a duty here. Yeah, th- there are homes over that way. There are businesses over that way. We know from following news coverage and uh, from common sense that fires can be incredibly destructive. And so we took inventory of our own supplies. One car drove off, returned with a shovel. We found all the drinks, all the water bottles and such uh, that we had in our vehicles, and we parked a safe distance away from this fire. Uh, My wife stayed back on the phone with emergency dispatchers, uh, also taking care of beautiful Piper, and the the rest of us, we made our way across the street, and with our bottles of water and this and that, uh, we started uh, putting out the hot spots, and we were stamping down all the flames that, uh, that had billowed up, and believe it or not, Before even uh, the firefighters arrived, uh, we had uh, put out the flames. There was still smoke here, and it was wonderful that the firefighters uh, did arrive, were able to uh, do a real thorough job of uh, dousing the area where the flames had been burning, but uh, we were able to to get that out. And to see all the others that arrived on that scene, uh, one gentleman, I'll tell you, he... uh, (laughs) <laughs> he pulls up in uh, a hatchback vehicle, a Subaru, and he opens up uh, the, the rear. And what he used to combat this fire uh, were cases and cases of Arizona iced tea. <laughs> he, uh, an armful of them. He crossed the street and uh, one by one was cracking them open and dumping, them on the, dumping it on the fire. And it worked. It was effective. We put the fire out. Uh, and all was safe, and we were all able to go uh, afterwards our separate ways and enjoy the the fireworks displays or however it was uh, that we were each uh, going to be celebrating the 4th of July uh, on Saturday night. So it was a a wonderful uh, and lucky event that I was able to both witness and participate in on Saturday night as a number of members of the community, passers-by, gathered together, took inventory of the supplies in their vehicles, and used those supplies uh, to put out a fire before it really took hold and made its way towards uh, homes and businesses. Uh, Fire is a serious thing. We should take it seriously. And we're lucky that uh, as we have emerged from this 4th of July weekend that uh, not more fires were started. Let's always remember uh, the importance and the, the reverence we ought to have for fire. All right, quick break. When we come back, thanks for listening to that story. It was, uh, it, uh, it, I came home smelling like smoke. I was a little bit nervous. I melted my shoes a little bit, uh, but ultimately it uh, worked out. So thank you. Uh, quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about another aspect of the 4th of July weekend. This was the address delivered by President Trump 
at South Dakota's 2020 Mount Rushmore Fireworks Celebration. That all taking place in Keystone, South Dakota with Mount Rushmore over his shoulder. I thought it was an incredible display. I thought it was an incredible speech. And I want to share with you exactly why next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.